own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus is teaching in parables as he often does. Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So if I asked you to write down a list of the ten, I'm sure that some of us would be able to do it in one minute, others perhaps might take two or three, but only because we're trying to fit 30 things into our list of ten. And Jesus says, if we do not give up everything we have, then we cannot be his disciple. What's our vision? I think it was on your left as you entered the, the door beyond this door. Our vision is to reach nations and generations through disciple-making, leadership development, and church planting. We plant churches, that's what we do. In order to plant churches, we need leaders, so we develop leaders. But we do not develop any leaders who are unwilling to be discipled. We start off as disciples. And even when we are leaders, whether it be of a small group or a congregation or a region or shofar general, we're still being discipled. Always being discipled. And being discipled requires us to count the cost. And I imagine that some of us in the room have done that and some of us in the room have not counted the cost. So we've got just a few weeks left of 2016. Our theme is God's building before we move on to being one. So what is it that's not been said at Convergence last year or in the different preachers that we've had standing here or in the other places that we've had services this year. What is it that's not been said about building? What is it that God still needs to teach us? And there's lots. There's lots that God still needs to teach us. But a successful building, before anything else, needs to be a complete building. And the reason why it's so important that we count the cost of following Jesus is because if we do not, we risk ridicule. Does it bother us? Some of us it does, some of us not really, or less so. But we risk wasting our time. A half-finished building is good for nothing. Not only do we risk wasting our time, we risk, race, we risk wasting the time of those who build with us. And more important than any of those, we risk wasting the resources of the builder whose efficiency surpasses any of ours. We risk ridicule, we risk wasting our time, energy, effort, resource. We risk wasting the time and energy and effort of resource of others. But we risk wasting the resource of the one who will hold us to account for that which he's given us. David, what did you do with the youth group that you used to lead in the church that you joined? 
before coming to Shofar, what did you do then with the congregation I asked you to lead, David? God will say to me. He'll also, and maybe even before that, say to me, what did you do, David, with the parents I gave you? Did you honor them? What did you do with the wife I gave you? Did you love Sally? What did you do with the children I gave you? Did you bring them up in the training and instruction that I give you? Or did you waste your time and mine? And let's not assume that just because somebody claims to follow Jesus, let's not assume that just because somebody stands and leads those who claim to follow Jesus, that they're doing what God has called them to do. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians about building with that which will not last. Counting the cost of being a disciple of Jesus is like counting the cost of a project. I'm not a builder, I'm not good at DIY in the way that I know some of you are. But six years ago, we considered a building project. Fred, when he comes to London, jokes about people here who not only travel underground, but live underground. So our space is at such a premium that we excavate basements in order to just have more space to live. And we considered the project. We had an architect. But it didn't get, we didn't get too far down the process before we realized we didn't have enough money for this project. So before we started, before we risked the ridicule of the neighbors for having half a basement, it's good for nothing, we called it off. And if any of us are not willing to give up everything, then it's better to stop now. Before we start the new year, stop now. Stop wasting my time if it's me your time if it's you. Stop wasting the time of those around us, whoever we are. If we haven't counted the cost, do it now. Take the month of December to count the cost. What will following Jesus look like next year? If I follow Jesus, who, what, where will he call me to give up? And if there's anything that I'd have a question mark. Go back to your list of ten, ten most important things. Go to a, perhaps, I don't know whether this is a harder list or an easy one, ten most important places that you'd like to be in, to travel to, to holiday in, to work. And here's a tough list. Ten most important people. And if you're stuck for that list, Jesus says, Father, Mother, Wife, children, one, two, three, four, five. Brothers, I've got three, I've got brothers-in-law, I'm already past ten. I've got sisters as well. And then, Jesus says, yes, even his own life. How important to me is my life? My career, my development, how important is it to me? And then from that list, whether it's 10 or 100, if there's a question mark, the Holy Spirit shines a light on this name. Now for some of us, it will be the name of somebody else. But for others of us, it will be our own name. When Holy Spirit shines his light on that name, how important are you to you? and I have a question mark, then I need to count the cost before I continue building. Because next year our theme is going to be being one. And being one means we're going to pursue one vision. Not mine, the vision that God gave to Fred and Lucille, the vision that Fred is carrying. 
if we can't, then better to stop now. Let's talk about towers for a while, because that's quite heavy, wasn't it? Jesus says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Why would you build a tower? Now, take yourself back to an arable culture in the west of Asia 2,000 years ago. Why would you build a tower? And if you want a clue, because I had to ask that self, myself that question, go to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 and verse 1. Jesus again speaking in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. And leased it to tenants and went into another country. So whatever our careers are, or whatever our careers will be, let's imagine we're all viticulturalists, and we are planting a vineyard. (coughs) This vineyard needs a fence for protection, a pit for for production, and a tower for for protection. Towers are visible. They protect. They show strength. They allow strength. They give you an advantage because you see those who'll come. Now, who would come to destroy this vineyard? We're in business together. We've planted our vineyard. We've fenced our vineyard. We've dug our pits for the wine press so that we can make some good wine that we'll enjoy and we'll sell to others. But before we can lease it to the tenants and start our next business in another country, we need to build our tower. And I've got a picture which, because I still, that wasn't enough for me to get a frame of reference for what this tower would look like. The tower with the shelter on the top. Is it on the next slide? There we are. It's not like the Tower of Babel, but it's a tower. It's a tower that serves a purpose. Who would want to come to destroy? Foxes? If you live in London, you're used to those. But also people. Because people know we have got the best in our vineyard. And those will want to come and take it away. But consider these questions. Consider yourself as a parent of nine. Where are the children, all nine of them? How do I know? I go into my tower to look. How is the vineyard doing? How do I know? I go into my tower to look. Where can I rest safely? out of the sun, in the heat of the day, in my tower? Where can I store my provisions or my resources? I can store them in the tower. Where can I pray to ask God, which country will I go to next to plant another vineyard? I'll pray in the tower. And then where we started, where can I see and stave off the potential threats, animal or human? 
human, animal, earthly, or non-earthly? Where can I see in order to stave off these threats from the tower? And then if you go to Proverbs 18 and verse 10, this is what we read. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. God is our tower. God is our protection. God is our provision. God is our strength and God is our stay, our stamina. God is our safety and God is our security. So as you count the cost of following this God, focus not on yourself, but focus on God. Because if I'm following him, then the onus is on him. He'll lead me to whichever country. He'll protect me from whichever enemy. But I always fail. And God will say, I'm in the business of those who fail of taking those who fail and restoring those who fail. I'm in the business of taking a family which has failed for generations and choosing one from this family and saying I'm going to turn around the eternal destiny of this family. The cost of following Jesus. Don't focus on yourself and your failings. Focus on the God who is a strong tower, focus on the God who says, I am your righteousness. And I put my righteousness on you so that you can run to me to be safe. I am that God. And whoever you are, whether you counted the cost and need to recount the cost, or whether you didn't even bother, maybe because you couldn't be bothered, or maybe because the person that led you to follow Jesus didn't tell you there will be a cost. Whatever the reason, or however many times you've counted it already, count the cost of following Jesus. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. A sleeping watch person is not much good. But a sleeping watch person is no good unless the Lord watches over the city. Even the hardest working builder, even the most considerate builder who vacuums her mess or who brings his own cup of tea so that you don't have to make one for him, who's efficient and pleasant and competent and good value, even that builder labors in vain unless the Lord builds the house. So this tower in the city of Babel that defines the city to the point where we just think of the tower was all in vain because God didn't build it. It wasn't of God. It was human in its origin. Let us 
read in for yourselves in Genesis 11, let us make a tower that reaches to the heavens. In this city that we have built, it wasn't of God. As we follow Jesus, do that which is of God. Because that which is not of God won't last. Read 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says, on the day of judgment, it will be burned. That person, him or herself, will be saved. But everything they've done, not the judgment in which we're separated into, let me get this right, sheep on the right and goats on the left. Not that judgment. The judgment of believers, where God says, David, what did you do with who and what I gave you? With where I placed you? With the students you teach? With the congregants to whom you preach? With the people you pastor? With the family you lead? What did you do? And he's going to ask me, did you do what I gave you to do? Or did you give, did you do that which was human? And whether it was from my human mind or the best human mind, if its origin is human, then it won't last. So it's in vain. But if you're thinking, yes, okay, I've been building and it's not good, or I did build, and what was the point? Then hear this from the God who restores. He says, nothing can separate you from my love, and I will take all things, all things, even the mistakes of people who fail and work them into my building because it's my building. So what happened because of Babel? Let me just give you the example that hopefully will illustrate the point. What was the outcome of the building of the tower and the city? Scattered and so there was a scattering, confusion and scattering. The children love one of the depictions in the the Bible that we use for devotionals because it gives what they what the person said and what was heard. We all know what misunderstandings and miscommunication is like. So how's the building today? But what was heard is you've got a fat face today. The children love it because it doesn't make sense, but they can understand that these people who are on the scaffolding next to me are not the kind of people I want to upset because then I might end up off the scaffolding and on the floor. And then there was a dispersion across the earth, a scattering. But God always uses a diaspora that's why Shofar is in the UK, because God used the diaspora. Go back to Pentecost. God used the diaspora of the Jewish people who came back to Jerusalem for Pentecost to encounter Holy Spirit in these people, Peter and the others, and then go back to where they were. God will always use from Pentecost, look at church history, you'll see how God uses the dispersion which we would see as negative to further his kingdom. Whose building is it anyway? God's building. God is the builder and God is the building. But we also are the builders and we are the building. God's building. He's doing it. God is building. 
God's building, belonging, the building belonging to God. And God's building a tower. God's building a tower because he wants all people to be able to see that that's somewhere that I can run to and be safe. And if you look at the history of this congregation, we're near the end of the year. We started in Wimbledon when Andreessen Lisa came from Stellenbosch. And we were on the ground floor in the Drake House. And then we went to Tooting and we had two first floor venues in the Leisure Centre and then in St. George's Hospital. And now God's brought us to Grenfell where we're on the second floor so that even when there's a physical flood downstairs as there was at the beginning of July, we're safe. We're safe upstairs until the fire brigade come and lift mothers and babies over the fence. And hence the painting downstairs. Please don't touch the walls on your way out. God's building a tower. He wants to increase our profile. So not just a structure that's important, the internals, the bits that are not seen, but the stature as well, what's seen from the outside. When somebody who has to look after more children than they'd planned, or look after those children without the dad, or somebody who has to rebuild their life, after a bereavement, or somebody who has to provide for a family after involuntary redundancy, retrenchment, so that those people can see, I'm going to go to that tower, because in that tower I'll be safe. What do towers do? Towers keep out those who shouldn't be in. On the one hand and on the other they keep in those who should be in, those who are in. But then towers also enable us to go, to be seen, to provide a place where those who should be in can come in. We're a family. We disciple sons, men and women. We disciple people because we're a spiritual family. There's order in this family because we're a family. We're a family with a father. We're a household with a head. But we need that structure and that order where those in authority can say, this is where we'll go. And they may or may not take into consideration what I think, but regardless of whether they do, that's where we go. Because this building is of God, and God is a God of order. So it's a parable, Luke 14, and not many of us have a military reference. Maybe not all of us have an agricultural reference or a DIY reference. But we all know enough. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, We are God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building. Wherever we go, people grow stuff and build buildings. So take yourself back to the west of Asia in 60, whatever it was when Paul wrote, I'm not sure of the date, to the church in Corinth. Everybody will have a frame of reference for a harvest, for a field, because people need to eat. And everybody has a frame of reference for building because people need to sleep, safe from whoever or whatever. <coughs> so Paul uses those examples. You are God's field. You are God's building. We all know Whatever job it is that we go, 
and do to be the breadwinner to set food on the table and we're far removed from it because we buy it from a shop that imported it from another continent and put tax on it here and tax on it there but if we take ourselves back you plant and then you tend and then you harvest and then you reap and then the grain and then the bread and then we eat whatever it is we do to win the bread and wherever it is that we come home to in the evening we have a frame of reference for a building and for needing to eat so the parable that Jesus tells is a parable that says discipleship requires completion of the building so go back to those lists where we started the lists of things or the lists list of places or the list of people and where is there a hesitancy on my delete button or my eraser or my marker pen to strike through because Jesus said if anyone does not hate now we're a family we disciple sons i've been part of lots of churches the majority didn't disciple but the one time maybe two times i remember being discipled i wasn't discipled as a son so how is it that we can talk about family and honor family and use family as our metaphor and jesus says if we do not hate read hate as love less because scripture is clear we have responsibilities to parents to siblings to spouses to offspring scripture is very clear about those responsibilities in both old and new testaments but jesus says hate meaning love less so when it comes to a call how do i spend my weekend god comes first when it comes to a call what do i do on my honeymoon god comes first i remember fred telling us about christians in korea who because leave is so sparse will go on mission on their honeymoon what do i do with my children do i provide them a nice big room in a nice big house in a nice town with nice people where there are nice schools where they'll go and get a good education and meet the right kind of person and have a child who can live in a big house in a nice town what legacy do i want to leave do i want to say to my children that yes we'll go to church but when it comes to it we'll go and choose where we live or where you go to school because we think that's best for you in terms of your life on earth or will we say from the time even before they're born that your gods your gods you belong to god and therefore we will take you wherever he leads us whether it be a desert or a flood whether it be into the middle of a battle because we've counted the cost we've already counted the cost of following jesus 
So if we need to do some counting or some recounting, then it's a good time of year to do so. Before we focus in 2007 on being one. Being one, we'll get the instruction to build here and we'll build. And we can ask questions for clarification. But the kind of question which says, I think we should be building there. Or I think we should be doing something on that estate. And what about when you said we would and we haven't? What about this? Those kinds of questions won't help. Wrestle with God as Jacob did. If you need to, do so. Ask your questions as Thomas did if you need to. But hear what Jesus said. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. So if you look at our three small groups at the end of this year when we started the year with four and don't understand it, ask God because he's building. He's building. Building disciples who've counted the cost. Building disciples who will disciple others who from a very early stage of their discipleship will know that the cost has been counted. So God, if you call me to go to North America, I'll go to North America. And God, if you call me to go to South Asia, I'll go to South Asia. And God, if you call me to be led by this small group leader, I'll be led by that small group leader and honor her. God, what you call me to do, I will do because I've counted the cost. And I've remembered in my counting that you don't tally my mistakes and my failings and disqualify me from following you. But you say, come to me with your mistakes. Come to me with your failings. Come to me with your resistance to discipleship because I don't want to be someone's project or whatever it is, come to me with those. And build with me. We're the workers. God's is the field. God's is the building. God is the builder. The master builder. He knows who needs to leave so that the building can happen in the way that he wants it to. And he knows who needs to join so that the building can happen in the way that he has determined this building to happen. He knows all those. We're going to have communion. And going forward, we might change the date, but the first Sunday of the month we will. But I want to encourage you also as you count the cost, count it with communion as your frame of reference. Because Jesus doesn't say, count the cost from a distance and I'll see how you get on. He says, count the cost of following me who gave up everything that I had. Use communion as your frame of reference and also small group leaders will talk about this at the leaders meeting. Do it in your small groups this month as a small group. Have communion. And as families, even if your family is two or two and eight ninths, have communion as a family and together count the cost. Because it impacts those who build alongside us. It impacts those who work in the field alongside us. The attitude with which we build.
the comments we make as we build, the energy that we devote to my leisure and my pleasure that takes away from the energy that I need to devote to laboring. And as we have communion as a congregation, it might be the only time we do it this month, as we have communion as small groups, as we have communion as families, remember that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. No matter what human or non-human attacks may come, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and those who run to it are safe. The righteous who run to that tower are safe. And in this tower, there's blood on the doorposts that keeps us safe because that blood is powerful. It's so powerful that when God looks and sees that blood, He doesn't see our failings or our mistakes. He sees the blood of his righteous son. And judgment passes by. He passes by with his judgment. And he comes and sits in this tower with us. Even if it's not yet finished, he comes and he sits with us. And he eats and he drinks with us. And he enjoys it. And he enjoys you. And he enjoys me. And then he says, I want others to enjoy this as well. So keep building. Keep building. Stay strong. Not in yourself, but in me and in my mighty power. Stay strong. Because I'm building a body, he says. I'm building a body on which I have put my head. Lord Jesus, the head of this body. Imagine his beautiful face and beautiful mind. And he puts it on us. With my weak left arm and my foot that doesn't kick the ball straight and my hands that don't seem to build or I disciple somebody and how's this work God because I'm trying I'm doing what I've been told but it doesn't seem to work he puts his head on us and he has overcome the head has overcome hence Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father the body just needs to do our bit to claim the victory to enforce the victory of the cross just before we eat and drink together I'll pray Lord Jesus we honour you we honour you as the master builder we honour you as the one who knows how we are and knows what we do the words we say and even the thoughts that we think and you still say come to me eat and drink with me Lord Jesus we honour you we run to you for safety as we eat and drink in the way that you commanded us to let's eat together Jesus your blood surpasses the blood 
of any sacrifice. Your blood is still as powerful today as it was when you died, when you gave your life. And we accept the view of the Father that sees the blood overseeing our mistakes and our failings. Lord Jesus, we honor you as we drink. Let's drink together. please go in a couple of minutes to collect them but if you need to respond then respond to somebody else to collect your children if your conversation with Holy Spirit this morning is at the point where you know what you need to do the sums add up yes God I know what you're telling me to do and maybe all you need to do is to pray with someone and you can lead that prayer and just have somebody as a witness. We were singing earlier, you overcome. Christ the head has already overcome. But we the body still need to do that. He's finished his work, and therefore he's at the right hand and he's sitting down. The work's done. But our work is still to do and the blood of the lamb together with the word of our testimony is the means by which we overcome so if you need to share testimony then share it with someone at the front and then share it with others even this afternoon so that we can also be that means of overcoming and if you have a need of healing that we have oil and we'll pray and we went there early on in the service but confession of sins may help you in that because James tells us confess our sins to each other and pray for one another so that you may be healed please stand as we close Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you that your word is living and active. Thank you that it cuts between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Thank you that it cuts in the natural, in that which is seen. Thank you that it cuts that which is not seen. Spirit, thank you that you bring your word, the word of God to us in a language and at a volume, in a tone and at a tempo that we can understand. God, I thank you for your children, Lord Jesus, your sheep. who have heard your voice. And I speak against the accusation of the enemy, even now that says that wasn't of God. Go back and reflect. God, thank you that the obedience that pleases you is prompt and full. And God, as we respond either with confession of sins with a word of testimony or with 
there's some at the bottom of that counting knowing what it is God is saying God I thank you that you minister we open ourselves for you to minister in Jesus name Amen if you need to leave please do if you need to collect your children please do or send somebody but if you need to respond don't leave the room before you have and it might be either none of those three that I mentioned but while you're in this room while your heart is stirred respond to Holy Spirit conviction and then go and bring others to the tower that is the name of our Lord and be safe in Jesus name